Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chicanery. Of course, it is two regular hosts, Danny and JT. Hello, and welcome back. Buckle up, guys, gals, non-binary pals, because this is going to be a long episode. Yes, so this is sports cars, and basically everything to do with it. Um, you know, we've got M- uh, IMSA Silly Season, Daytona Updates, uh, WEC Season Recaps, and any updates there. And then, you know, we've even got a fun uh, Macau GP episode. Um, so this is right on the heels of the uh, Formula One season, uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and Formula One season recap, and, you know, mild speculation and general goofiness. Um, so because this is very much uh, JT's TM, um, I am going to let her run the episode. So I am merely but a passenger in this vehicle. Oh, so gosh. please take it away, friend. Okay, I guess we're going to start off with IMSA's Silly Season. I don't know. I don't know if really, it's really called Silly Season in IMSA, but we're going to call it slash updates for Daytona. Because I know the Daytona Rolex 24 race entry list came out like a week or two ago. But we'll get to that. We're going to start off with Corvette. Corvette signed some new drivers recently. Um which consists of Charlie Eastwood, Daniel, I can't even say this name, honestly. I should have practiced this before I came oh, on Yungadella. here. Oh, Yungadella? Yeah. Yeah, Yungadella, Nico Verone, and Earl Bamber. It's a good lineup. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's decent drivers. However, I feel like it's kind of random. Like, it's just a random mix-up of people that they put together. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um like I said, you know, it's absolutely it. It's a fine group of talent. Like, don't get me wrong. I would not be upset if I had a sports car team and this was my driver list. But I agree. It does feel a bit all over the place. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, it, you know, it feels like almost like if this was like a um, one of those, you know, motorsport manager games and you had to you were were creating a driver lineup. This kind of feels like this is something that I would do. I guess it's kind of the best way I can think to phrase it. I mean, yeah, it it does. It's kind of just like, yeah, this makes sense, so we're going to do it. And I don't know. I got really confused on what Corvette was even supposed to be doing at the end of this season because I thought there was – they were ending their factory program. So I thought that meant there was going to be no more Corvettes on the grid. And then they're like, oh, yeah, this – corvettes and it's the the big yellow one so i'm like what exactly did they change yeah we talked about this a little bit a couple episodes ago but you know they were ending the factory program you know then there was some talk they were you know going to be doing the customer team um and i know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but that's i think the customer cars that's wec with what they're running but yeah they're like factory program dead but then they pull the wraps off of a uh, Pratt Miller Motorsports, which, for those of you aware, Pratt Miller Motorsports are who operated the factory team for the C8R. And then they've got this team. So it's basically a factory team, but they're not calling it a factory team. I guess it's a rebrand. I don't know. It's basically like what it is. A little bit. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. From what I understand, this is 
this is for all intents and purposes. This is the factory Corvette racing team. But yes, they have just rebranded. So it's a little bit less like the factory team, but they're still, the cars are still yellow. They really don't look all that different from the outgoing. Well, it's a different shade of yellow. That's really the, the difference here. <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, I feel like it might not even matter as long as it's like Corvettes equals good. I say, generally speaking, that's how it goes. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they'll be quick and that they'll be good. But yeah, but the cool thing with Corvette, particularly in IMSA, has been super confusing with exactly what they are and are not doing. I mean, I'm just going to be like, you know what? Corvette factory team, even though that's not really what y'all are. To me, that's what it is. It's a, it's literally just a factory program. Yeah, basically, like I said, it's a factory program and everything but name, uh, ostensibly. Um, you know, I'll have to reach out, you know, maybe for some clarification. Because um, I've got a couple of uh, good friends that operate kind of in the orbit of Corvette. And they might be able to shed a little bit of light on that. But. Yeah, it looks like it's, you know, factory, so. Congratulations, you confused the hell out of all of us, but I'll I'll take it because, well, Corvette's good. <laughs> so the next thing we have is FAF Motorsports. Obviously, we already talked about how they are switching from Porsche to McLaren, so they will be in a McLaren GT car this upcoming season. And they signed Oliver Jarvis, who was previously with United Autosports, um, Marvin Kirschhofer, James Hinchcliffe, and Alexander Rossi. Yeah, I, I'm about it. Uh, particularly having Hinch and uh, Rossi, you know, certainly, you know, when you start talking about, you know, IndyCar in the last 10 years, those are two of my favorite guys. So, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a good mix just because they, they have a podcast together. It's like they mm -hmm. have two, the hosts of Off Track Racing together wonderful yeah no i am super about it so i and i guess here's the question is with uh rossi i'm granted i have to look once again consummate professionals here but um the um indie car schedule i while they usually indie car and imsa well detroit they do conflict um but well, kind of, sort of. Um, I mean, the races are on different days, but like the practices and stuff. But otherwise, I guess they should be different enough that hint or that Rossi can run both. But I wonder how that's going to work. I guess that's if anything, I don't know. I might have to go back and see if there was any like specification, but it might be that he's just on that lineup for the Enduros. Like, I think Hinchcliffe is on that lineup for the Enduros as well. Okay. And not for like the rest of the IMSA season. And if it's just the endurance races, then it should be fine. There shouldn't be any conflicts with IndyCar. Like um, Daytona is fine. Plenty of people mm -hmm. doing Daytona. Sebring is also fine. Watkins Glen should be fine as well. And then obviously Petit Le Mans should be fine. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And that was actually going to be my other question. It's like, okay, is Rossi just... Because Rossi has done uh, Daytona uh, before. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is just for Daytona. Okay, but that makes a little bit more sense. But no, good lineup. I, I like it a lot, actually. Um, so it'll be, you know, certainly... It'll be one of the cars, certainly at Daytona, that I will be paying lots of uh, lots of attention to. I uh, just got to count down the, uh, the days. So I'm actually kind of hyped for this year's Daytona. But we'll get onto that. <laughs> 
so the next thing we have is Lambo, at least for their GTP slash hypercar. They apparently are not going to be debuting at Daytona and instead yeah. will be at Sebring. I don't know. Not sure why that is. I'm not sure if Daytona, like their debut at Daytona was ever in their plans to begin with, or if it had to do with the fact that I think at one point during their testing, they did crash the car or whoever was driving it, whoever was testing at that time did crash it. And maybe that had something to do with it. And they have to push back when they're debuting the car for a race because they need to repair it or something like that. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, also, did they say who was uh, driving the car when uh, they bend it? Because 10 bucks says it was Roma. <laughs> I don't know who it was. To be honest, I don't think it was Roman. I think because at least the two people, there's at least two people I know they're driving it. Um, at least for the World Endurance Championship, which is Bortolotti. And I think it was Kvyat. Were the oh. two that were confirmed, I think. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about Kvyat, but, but uh, yeah. But I mean, all jokes aside, uh, yeah, I don't know what the kind of what sets the timescales. If like you said, they were just never going to run at Daytona before, which seems like such a missed opportunity to intentionally, pardon me, intentionally skip Daytona. Maybe they're trying to avoid, uh, you know, BMW Daytona disaster class potentially. Um. I mean, to be honest, at that point, you kind of, I feel like, yeah, it's Daytona and it's a really important race. It's a big race and it kind of does look a little bit embarrassing if you go to Daytona and completely flop like that. However, it's the first time you're doing it. So it's like, if there's any, if there's ever a time to just flop and get the flop out of the way, might as well just do it at that race because Again, it is Daytona, but it is a really long race, so you have enough time to, like, kind of waffle around and fix up the car if it's needed, so you aren't really hemorrhaging too much. Yeah, like I said, I agree, but no, I'd be interested, like I said, if a Lamborghini ever publishes any sort of rationale for the change. Um, like I said, I'm certainly a little disappointed that they won't be at Daytona. But if it means the car is better for Sebring, then, I mean, you know, hey-ho, bring it on, right? Yeah. Uh, keeping on track with the list, the next thing was Pratt Miller. They're in GTD. They added Sheldon Vanderlyn to their lineup. And I think they are also moving up to GTD Pro. Interesting. Um, once again, you know, we were literally just talking about it. I haven't the slight, the foggiest idea what Pratt Miller is doing with these cars, and it really doesn't make any sense to me. Again, you know, you talk about, you know, good quality drivers that they have on payroll. Again, Sheldon is certainly one of them, but I just, like I said, this process has just been so confusing. And it's weird because when Pratt Miller got more active on uh, social media because i mean pratt miller has actually gotten super active on uh, twitter here these last this last little bit i was hoping that that might lend some clarity to sort of the way they move honestly now i just w wish we would go back to them communicating through either gm or press portals because this is it's honestly worse with them tweeting the news now 
<laughs> maybe they're just tweeting through it just like literally just tweeting through it i mean honestly it's kind of just as confusing as corvette is it's like okay I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're still in GTD. Maybe they have two cars. One is in GTD and one is in GTD Pro. I checked yeah. the list earlier and I can't remember. But I don't know. Yeah, same thing. I It's just kind of like, ugh, I'll need to go back and look. You know, maybe uh, as I edit this, I might splice in a little note here to confirm this. But, like, same thing. It's just, like, it's just confusing. And it's like, ugh. But, anyway. Next thing was Richard Westbrook, who was driving the number two Cadillac in the World Endurance Championship, moved to JDC Miller in the Porsche GTP, the banana boat car, mm -hmm. which is not shocking because he was one of the weaker drivers on the Cadillac lineup. So, Yeah, exactly. I'd say it makes in that context it makes sense like if you were to just read you know in this case this bullet point and go richard westbrook with richard westbrook that's remarkably difficult to say um moves to you know jdc miller and you're like well why would you do that but yeah like like you said he was one of the slower drivers in the cadillac program and it seems like they're out for blood in uh in gtp so it's not super surprising that it seems like he's ostensibly been dropped uh, from that program. You know, certainly wish him, wish him much luck in the, the Porsche. And maybe a, a not factory program will be a kind of a good place for him. But, but it's a bummer. Now we have Andretti Motorsports. switch. They're switching from an Ashton Martin to a Porsche GTD. To be honest, I didn't really pay that much attention to Andretti Motorsports. So we'll just see how that goes, to be honest. It might go worse, honestly, just because I don't know how well the BOP is on the Porsche GTDs. So it could essentially go worse. We'll see. Yeah, I, I that doesn't make sense to me, like hardly at all. Um the Aston Martins had the potential to be very, very quick, and the Porsches were very, well, not. You know, now, of course, I'm assuming BOP is going to be a lot better for the Porsche this year. But it also seems silly to switch, ma switch manufacturers uh, right on the eve of, um, there's going to be a new Vantage GT3. Um, it's already, Aston Martin had actually teased it uh, two weeks ago now, uh, as of the time of this recording. Um, there thereabouts, but but yeah, there's a new one coming. So if it was any potential performance concerns, that very well may have been allayed by that new car. So this is this is confusing to me. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand it personally, but you know, I'm assuming there's somebody who gets paid way more than I do to make these decisions that knows something I don't. <laughs> So the like we said before, kind of dabbled in already, the Daytona 24 hours entry list, or at least the preliminary one came out recently. And there's a lot of big names on the list, which probably just to help with attendance, because if you get a lot of big name people there, you'll get people to show up, or you should, logically speaking. And we have Marcus Erickson and Jensen Button driving 
on, I don't even know if they're on the same lineup. They might not be. I don't think they are. I think they're on each of the Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acuras. So we'll see how that goes as well. Yeah, I just love it. It feels like Jensen is in kind of his era of he'll race anything with four wheels, kind of like what uh, Juan Pablo Montoya and kind of Fernando Alonso were doing for a period. And I just, I love it. You know, seeing him at Daytona, he's racing, you know, stock cars. It's just, I think it's great. Um, so I'm I'm about it. And, well, Jensen also just seems like kind of a cool dude. So I love it. And actually, it's cool to see Marcus on the field. He's a talented driver. Um, you know, feels like, you know, he cops maybe a bit too much flack in IndyCar. But hey-ho. I mean, he did race the Daytona 24 hours before with Cadillac, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But, no, I love uh, seeing Marcus uh, on the grid. But, but yeah, no, it'll be – also, I want just want to say – the Wayne Taylor Andretti tie-up, like that has become like the most clunky name imaginable. Like you really mean to tell me you <laughs> it guys literally says the thing up? Wayne Taylor with Andretti. And they even changed their like logo thing on Twitter, mm-hmm. at least on their socials, and it has like the Wayne Taylor racing thing like next to the Andretti thing. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. And like I said, it's just you know, okay. It's a I clunky understand. name, like you said. Yeah, exactly. You know, I understand you want to honor, you know, both parts of that, but it's like you couldn't have just been like Andretti Taylor, Taylor Andretti or something. I'm sorry, I feel like that's probably what they're going to start saying during the broadcast. It's just probably because it's just too damn hard to say. Nobody's saying the whole freaking thing. It's it's even it's kind of just as bad as like Porsche Penske like that. If you say that five times fast, like you can, it's just. I mean, it's not as clunky because you kind of have the nice little alliteration with the two P's, but I don't know. And you know what? Maybe them, you know, I'm going to table that. We're not going to talk about that just yet. We're okay. going to keep moving on now because we have more IndyCar drivers in the Daytona race. We have now, this was announced just this week, Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist, old teammates, are now together at United Autosport, I think they're in a McLaren GTD, for the Daytona Assault. Yeah, good stuff. Um, You know, as you previously pointed out, you know, they're teammates, you know, they know each other well, they kind of know how they drive. I figured this is, that's honestly probably just a really good pairing, I think. Um, So you could certainly do a lot worse than these two. you know, but it's it's funny, you know, and, you know, we talk about it and, you know, Daytona is very much a really kind of a who's who event of motorsports. It feels like anybody who has raced a car <laughs> uh, gets a ride at Daytona. I mean, I love Daytona because it's literally just like the crossover episode of motorsports. Like you will yes. have everybody from any possible background racing in it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I do. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, to see, you know, X Formula One, you know, NASCAR drivers show up to Daytona. Um, speaking of which, I know it's entirely too late, but it would have been super cool to have uh, Blaney in uh, one of the Penske Porsches. Well, or, to uh, be honest, I don't think that would have happened because no. you 
you need experience with prototype racing first mm -hmm. before they're gonna let you get in a GTP. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, like I said, it just it would have been you know cool, you know, given the Penske uh, through line there to have uh, Ryan in a car. Um, we need Will Power at the Rolex Twenty Four, really, because he was supposed uh, to do it last year, but his wife yes. got sick. Mm hmm. Yeah, so maybe they'll get that back on the table because yes, that would be neat. Um, but but yes, no, like you said, it's the crossover episode of racing is uh, the Daytona Twenty Four. So it's always so cool to see all the drivers from the different categories. And then going back to Corvette again, we now have Alex Lynn joins. AWA Corvette for the Rolex 24 as well. Yeah, it's just it's it's all the folks. Um I uh um, a big party. Yeah, as yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the Corvette team is, you know, collecting drivers like their infinity stones right now. Um, which is kind of wild. But I think yeah, it's I funny that the two the two Cadillac factory drivers, Alex Lynn and Earl Bamber, somehow managed, they ended up in Corvettes just on two separate teams somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was coincidence or there was something that happened behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, you know, we talked about it before. IMSA is famously, uh, in sports car racing generally, is much less caddy than like Indy and NASCAR and Formula One. So it's a lot harder to kind of gauge if something has happened behind the scenes and just nobody will talk about it, you know, or if it is purely coincidence. Um, because I'm messy, I like to believe that something went on behind the scenes, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, we maybe we will never know. The world no. may never know. No, we won't. Now we're going to talk about expectations i know i have some expectations which one of them being i would really hope i am hoping that the gtp field gives acura a run for their money it like makes them work for that win because i know right now with that lineup it's pretty good they got a lot of good people on that lineup which maybe maybe the andretti in them will jump out and they will fumble something but Judging by how much they already have fumbled in the past, it's probably not likely. It's not likely because they're going to be more determined than ever to get that win, especially after coming in second to Meyer Shank last year, then having Meyer Shank get whacked for cheating. And then their win is kind of like, is this really a real win? I mean, this is kind of a fraudulent win, you know? So I hope at least make them work for this win. I beg of you. Yeah, agreed. Um, I want, yeah, I want the uh, the Taylor Andretti Acuras to get pushed a bit for this. Um, you know, I expect that that will probably be the certainly the prototype to beat. Um, you know, now as for you know the um, the GT field, um, I am. I guess less than an expectation, but more of a hope. I am hoping that the Corvettes are quick, sort of out of the gate. Um, you know, we'll have to kind of see how that goes, but that's hoping for that. And I am, my expectation is that the IMSA has wrapped their heads around BOPing the Porsches because, I mean, we've talked about it before, but that was an, that was a farce or at least it verged on. 
um, just how bad that was. So I am expecting that they will have gotten the message and they, the Porsche should be more uh, competitive this year. I, I would hope because if the same thing ends up happening, granted, there aren't too many people on like that team that I like rep that hard anymore now that it's not Porsches, but at least on FAF, like I don't, there's not too many people I rep on the team anymore, but I would just hope that that does not happen because that would be incredibly disappointing. You know what? I want to see, I hope to see like a four-way GTP fight for the win. Maybe even five-way. I want to see like everybody fighting for it. I love your optimism. It probably won't happen, but I can hope at least. I was just about to say, yeah, you can absolutely hope. I don't know that we're going to get that necessarily. But like I said, I love the optimism. I hope it does happen. So, But hey-ho, I will certainly, regardless, whatever happens, I will be there. I will be watching I this will, race. I will be there no matter what. <laughs> now we're going to move on to the World Endurance Championship and a season recap and some updates because there have been a lot of updates that happened here as well. And we're going to start off with, as usual, the best race and the worst race. Yeah, see, sports cars is always kind of tough because it feels like the floor for bad races is so much higher than it is in a lot of other series. And it always making make, picking, makes picking the worst one difficult. Now, I will say, certainly, best race. Um, Fuji was actually Fuji was actually really good, um, which I didn't entirely expect. And so was Sebring. Um, I guess if you made me pick one, I would pick Fuji. Um, but, and like I said, again, a worst race is so tough. Now, and we've talked about this, I guess, given the way sort of race control and procedure, if I pick a worst race, it might actually be Le Mans, just because their handling in the constant full course yellows was tough. And it made, especially the first like six hours were virtually unwatchable because of all of the full course yellows. But yeah, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I don't really, I can't really say, like, worst race, just because, like, it's it's just hard to say that, uh, just to say that the race was bad, like, it wasn't necessarily bad, but, like, kind of boring, per se, was, at least in my opinion, Monza, the six hours of Monza was kind of boring, in my opinion, mm -hmm. but, I mean, just because it was boring for me doesn't mean it was a bad race, it just could have been a race I just didn't find too particularly interesting the best race to be honest i don't know honestly i would say sebring was decent and fuji was also decent as well i would say maybe like spa spa was also good but this is this is what i mean like best race i don't know i would probably say sebring just because i like the event as a whole having the world endurance championship and imsa like the double header thing, obviously, that's not on the schedule anymore, but we'll talk about that later. 
Yeah, that sucks so much that, that the Super Sebring weekend is basically dead. That was like my favorite, honestly. But oh well. Anyway. Now, I guess kind of the same thing, just with teams and drivers. Drivers and teams that exceeded expectations or were disappointments. So, I guess for me, exceeding expectations, I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised. I didn't expect uh, Corvette to win um, the championship, especially with just one car. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Corvettes have been, you know, fast for 25 years. But, <clears throat> I, like I said, I just, I didn't expect them to, to take it, um, like I said, with a single car entry. Um, and I am, like, genuinely surprised by that. So I would say that that definitely exceeded uh, expectations. And that's, I guess, on the GT side. Now, as for, you know, disappointing over the season, the uh, Peugeot hypercar. I love it so much. I think it is such a cool car. And the fact that they didn't run it with a wing was so cool. But that car was just so slow all season. Um, I mean, it, it, they managed to lead Le Mans. I mean, at least you can say a wingless Peugeot hypercar led Le Mans. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that is super cool, and I thought Lamar might actually be the turnaround for that team, but it just really wasn't. I mean, it, did, it, is... it also did well in, like, the rain, like, when there was rain conditions, like, rainy conditions, mm -hmm. it seemed to do pretty well there, too. Yeah, but overall, it just wasn't really that great of a car, and, you know, from everything we've talked about this last time we covered WEC, it sounds like they're revising the aero philosophy of that car i.e they're going to give it a wing which i mean i, I respect them for trying i respect the 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 thought process they were like yeah let's screw it let's not put a wing on it even though it's like yeah i mean i i respect the innovation but it just didn't work out and it's also kind of disappointing since they technically had a head start over most of like the hypercar field anyways like they started last year at the end of the 2022 season and they still seem to just flop a little bit yeah exactly it's just like i said it was a bummer um I think the car looks incredible like honestly i have to stop myself because i find myself browsing on ebay uh the lamar uh the diecasts of the lamar car very regularly and um imsa slash weck diecasts are good quality ones are actually kind of expensive <laughs> and I, so i was like i have to stop otherwise i'd spend a thousand dollars in diecasts but um yeah, I think it is such a cool car. It is genuinely probably my favorite of the um, hyper cars, but it just wasn't wasn't quick, and that is super disappointing to me. I would also say another team that was kind of a disappointment to me was Porsche Penske. They were not. I mean, I don't know. In IMSA, they did pretty well actually, or at least in sprint races they did well. I mean, maybe you could say that they were kind of sprint race merchants in IMSA. But I think they, for the most part, did pretty well. I mean, at Watkins Glen, they did well, except for if it weren't for the penalty that they got for the skid block where they would have won the race and they did fine. But, I mean, the whole season in the World Endurance Championship was just kind of lackluster for them. I mean, they did get a podium, and I think Portimao, they got a podium in Fuji. They also got a podium as well, but it's just like overall was 
kind of disappointing for me at least. Yeah, I would actually I would completely agree with that. Um I, you know, of two basically titans of motorsport, you know, Penske and Porsche. I, I don't know. I did actually expect more. I anticipated that was going to be the, you know, hypercar to beat, you know, the GTP to beat. That was what I figured. Oh my God, great. They're going to win everything known to man. And it's going to be a really boring next couple of years with this uh, class. And then they just uh, didn't. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like me, I was like waiting for the whole season that they would do something. And it's just like that moment never really came. I mean, they had, again, some little moments of, of greatness, you know, at Le Mans and other races. But I'm just like, most of it was like, go girl, give us nothing. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's, you know, that meme where the guy's poking the rock with a stick and it's like, come on, do something. That was, yeah, basically me. You know, I as pro, uh, prophet, uh, prophetic as the sounds, I figured uh, it was really when uh, the Porsche was having some battery issues at Daytona. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this car isn't going to be as OP as I thought it was. But I remember even when that first happened, I would literally my whole heart drop when that happened. I'm like, the whole race is over. <laughs> it's even more over than previously thought possible. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's Jover. But um, but yeah, no, that was kind of when I'm like, okay, well, maybe this car isn't so great. But but yeah, no, I like I said, given the two, you know, like I said, titans of, you know, racing, that is Porsche and Penske, I did expect actually a bit more from this car uh, on the year. But the difference is, you know, part of me was kind of praying for their downfall. Because like I said, you know, Porsche basically won everything that there was to win in GT class racing. And then it's like, okay, okay, now you're going to come into GTP and do this. Whereas, like I said, I was actively rooting for Peugeot and they just broke my heart. Repeatedly. <laughs> like they took it and smashed it into a I million cannot, pieces. You, I can't, you're, I can't do what you call them Peugeot. Yeah. Yeah, they just they they killed me. I I said I love it. I think it is such a cool car, and they just well, like I said, and it was I genuinely think it was the coolest looking car of the group. Um, but but anyway, I guess teams and drivers that are um are sorry best best and worst performing teams. So, um, you know what? I guess starting with. Hypercar best performing teams is obviously Toyota. It's not really shocking there. Yeah. Um, worst, either Van Wall or Glickenhouse. Can that have be a joint award for worst? Yeah, you know what? Joint award. They both can get the same award. Yeah, you both fail. Um, for me, yeah, it's definitely best performing. It is Toyota. There was no question. I mean, you know, the Ferrari definitely had moments of brilliance throughout the season um and it's wild that you know it's the Le Mans team that is apparently the competently run uh Ferrari outfit not the Formula One team um but uh but yeah I mean the Toyota is kind of that's the death star of hypercar at the moment you know granted the field's gonna fill out significantly next year and that I guess could give them some trouble but honestly I kind of doubt it um I don't I don't think so LMP2, honestly, I can't even think 
of any LMP2 teams off the top of my head that are like the worst. I mean, I think best at least was like either might have been WTR or like United Auto Sports. They were pretty good the whole year. Yeah, exactly. You know, much like we were kind of talking about with, you know, just, you know, the races, you know, the sort of the ceiling and the floor from, you know, best to worst and P2 is actually fairly small. Um, so it's one of those things where, yeah, I would say, you know, probably United, but they're all probably the best, but they're all kind of in the same similar vicinity. And it just seems to kind of depend on, you know, luck and some external factors is what drives that more so than general competence. But anyway. GTE, honestly, I don't know either. Obviously, Corvette did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Since they won the championship, but worst, I don't know. Again, it's like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can argue certainly for the first part of the season, you know, the Enduros definitely, you know, the Porsches kind of got boned and all of that. But, you know, once, you know, basically they screamed about it enough, they were able to get it to where those cars became vaguely competitive, you know, towards, you know, kind of the halfway point of the season going forward. But... But yeah, same thing, you know, you could say, you know, Corvette, you know, you could say, you know, yeah, really, I guess it's going to be really Corvette and I guess the Porsches, I guess, you know, and I guess you could also extend this into maybe slightly disappointing, you know, given that the uh, Lamborghini, the Uticon and the Audi R8s are going away. I was hoping they might go out with a bit of a bang and they didn't really, but so I guess maybe those are contenders. Because truth be told, those cars haven't really done much useful their entire life cycle in these series, to be honest. Which, again, and I love the uh, the road car versions of those, both of those, but... So, also like when the race cars would be quick. But anyhow. They're just, they will just fade into obscurity, I suppose. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that's like mediocrity is almost worse than just being straight up bad. At least yes, I mean, at least you will be remembered for being bad. Yes, exactly. Like that but leaves nobody... a mark, at least an impression. Yeah, but nobody remembers you if you just hang out in, you know, the mid-pack all the time. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, so, what are we feeling, uh, I guess, expectations uh, for next year? Honestly, I mean, I would hope that with there being more hypercars next season, specifically 19 hypercars now in the field, that God. maybe Toyota would have a little bit of competition. Again, I'm not confident that that's what's going to happen, but again, I can hope. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, you know. I mean, there's a bit of shakeup, you know, with the regs for the GT cars, so that could potentially be a little bit of a... For some of the newer manufacturers entering, that could be a touch challenging. But, but yeah, no, I really want the addition of uh, all the hypercars to shake things up uh, a little bit. Um, because you've got Lamborghini. And do we still know how they're delineating WEC v EMSA? Is it going to be, you know, one and one? Is it just going to be EMSA? 
because Lamborghini has been super. I know I asked this question last time we did it, and I don't feel like there's been any information about it. I don't know. Currently on the entry list, they have it as one car for the World Endurance Championship. So it might be one one. Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, with the, you know, increase in the field size, you know, we've got a Lamborghini, you know, BMW is joining uh, this year. You know, we've got, like I said, we've got some new faces uh, joining the hypercar crowd. So, you know, I was like, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll get to this in a second, but we've got another Ferrari, which is like, why? But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm like, you know, like I said, somebody challenge Toyota, please. I guess that's what I'm asking. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently the World Endurance Championship is also implementing a virtual safety car procedure, which I think is, from what I heard from other people, is supposed to be used during pit windows, I guess, to like kind of prevent people from getting like caught out from like full course yellows or something like that. Yeah, alrighty, that's, you know, fair enough. I find it wild that WC has never had a set, effectively a VSC until now. You know, there was yeah, lots that's... of yeah, there was lots of hay made about it. You know, especially when it was introduced in F one in twenty sixteen was the first year of VSC, I think. I, somebody will correct me, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was sixteen when uh when it was uh, implemented, and I would have figured it, that, like I said, WC would do it, and the fact that it's taken them, you know, basically the better part of a decade is just a little surprising to me. I mean, I guess, like, they, they kind of, like, even, like, I would say, like, their four-course yellow procedures are kind of sort of similar to just, like, a virtual safety car, because, like, I don't really think they, they don't, the safety car doesn't go out, like, it's just a full course yellow is everybody just slows down and then once it's lifted you can race again so i mean i don't know yeah i say it's kind of sort of because you know the big thing about vscs is also you know the fact that you're basically maintaining deltas the ideas you know that you don't um, at least in formula one let me clarify um you know the idea is you know get the field slowed down but to try to prevent um basically kind of the bunching up that could give some cars an advantage or not. So, you know, and like I said, you know, WEC doesn't really do that. So, like I said, it's, you know, their current, you know, full course yellow procedure is kind of weird. Um, honestly, the whole thing about how they handle yellows in WEC is kind of strange to me, to be honest. Maybe I just don't, uh, haven't followed long enough for it to make sense. But, but no, but like yeah. I said, I... At least it's not as, like, ridiculous as IMSA is sometimes. Oh, good lord, yeah. You know, if there's any series that desperately needs of some sort of VSC procedure, really, it's IMSA, because them throwing full-course yells every two seconds drives me nuts. It feels like it's... Well, we talked about it a few episodes ago. It feels like it's a for-the-show thing to bunch everybody up, and it's so stupid. It's like, we don't need, for a four-minute-long lap, we don't need a full-course yellow for a single piece of debris in one corner. You know, their full crust yellows are so long. Like, they feel like, it feels like 20 minutes. At least the ones at, like, Petit Le Mans. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this Petit is Le Mans, taking they forever. Were, yeah, Petit Le Mans, they were long. And uh, Daytona, they were Daytona, they were long. so long. Yeah, I genuinely, I genuinely think that the full course yellows were like a half an hour uh, at Daytona last year. And it's like, 
Oh my god. That is the only year, because I usually uh, take some time off work so I can watch the full 24. I, I stay up. And that was the only year that I genuinely considered turning the race off in the middle of the night, because it's at 3 o'clock in the morning. A frivolous full-course yellow is very irritating. I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully, if enough complaining about it is done, then maybe they'll fix it. I mean, bullying works. So maybe we can bully IMSA into changing it. I would love to see if we could actually do that. <laughs> Anyways, Ferrari, I think, is expanding to three entries. Not for, like, the whole season, but I think for Le Mans, they might have three entries now. And I know, like, Rob Robert Kubica is supposed to be on one of their lineups. And then I put Robert Schwartzman because I think I think that's strongly speculated who's probably going to be on it. It's not confirmed yet, but I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, three cars, I guess, you know, more is better, right? Um, I mean, if they, you know, feel like three cars is, you know, the way to go, then I mean, certainly by all means, uh, you know, having a uh, Kubica back for um you know back in you know car back you know and in a ferrari and in the you know, factory program is you know super duper cool you know part of me still wonders what you know what could have been for his f1 career if he didn't have that horrendous uh rally accident in you know what was that you know 2012 2013 um but no, so no, happy to see the guy back. Uh, happy to see him racing. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll just we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but that being said, given how ridiculously quick the, the Ferrari was at uh, Le Mans, if they're adding more entries, it means, you know, in a wild world, you know, could, uh, Le Mans uh, podium lockout could be kind of wild. I really want Ferrari to be in IMSA GTP. That's what I want. I know that's I wishful agree. thinking, and that's probably not going to happen. Because, I mean, at this point, Ferrari will probably expand to, like, having four hypercars in the World Endurance Championship before they even put one in IMSA. But... Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Because, um, um, yeah, it's like AF Corsa, um, which is based out of Houston, actually, if I remember correctly, and, you know, running the GT cars, and that's kind of what they do. Um. But, yeah, no, it would be cool to get them to operate, you know, one, even if it's just one car, you know, hell, throw it back to the uh, 60s in the old North American racing team. Paint those suckers blue and white and go racing. That would be so sick. Have a blue 499P because it's a, an American operated car. That would be so and, cursed. Yeah, it, it'd be so great, though. And to have it run, I would love that. I am, but also I believe in uh, North American racing team supremacy. So I just want a blue factory Ferrari in some capacity somewhere as a trip. Mean, I can't even picture a blue Ferrari. Like they're always red. It's like that was part of why, actually, back in the '60s, why it broke everybody's brains to have blue and white Ferraris. Um. Because even up to that point, the Ferrari had just been come to know be known as the red ones. 
And then when Enzo is having a hissy fit over some FIA homologation rules for Lamont, actually, ironically. And so he pulled out the cars and then and then uh, the North American racing team basically snatched them up to run them because uh, they were in the running for uh, driver's title. And this is, you know, 60. Or 62 or 63 because this was the 250 lm was uh when this was this was early 60s i just don't quite remember what year anymore but but yes yes bring me blue ferraris please we've had yellow ones we've had burgundy ones we've had like red and white for special liveries blue it's, it's right there please they're never gonna do it no they're, they're probably not Going to the 2024 World Endurance Championship entry list, who is not on the entry list? Van Wall and Glickenhaus. Hashtag They're Van over. Wall and, hashtag Van Wall and Glickenhaus, our canceled party. What's everybody wearing to the Van Wall and Glickenhaus are over party? I don't know. My Garage 56 shirt. That's what I'm going to wear. But I mean, this is not shocking, though. No, it's really not. Uh, well, we've we've talked a fair bit about the well, a the fact that Van Wall is just kind of a mess, and then the fact that Jim <laughs> Glickenhaus is a baby. I mean, so, I think Van Wall. The reason why they're not on the grid is because they're going to be in court. Yes. Yes, and like I said, Glickenhaus is just—he's a baby, and he won't basically satisfy the homologation requirements that Weck wants, so he would much rather just I mean, leave. At that point, because even, like, the whole, like, 2023 season, like, they weren't even, Glickenhaus was obviously, like, objectively terrible, but part yeah. of that was because they didn't freaking test over nope. the winter time. They did no sort of testing and just came into the season and it's, like, expecting to do somewhat well. It's like, no, you didn't test the car so obviously you're not going to have the results that you expect or that the results that you desire yeah exactly i don't really know what they were uh up to and speaking of the duality of cooking house uh they followed it's me really like that meme like what was his plan yeah what was bro cooking absolutely nothing but but yeah, I like I said, I don't know. Cause I I funny, I remember I called them out on Twitter once for being dumb and they did blocked, they block me. you? Yes, they, they did. But the funny thing is that they follow me on Instagram. I don't understand. They it. block everybody. I remember so many people, so many people were blocked by them on Twitter. So many people were blocked by them. You know, and it's like, you know, that uh that legendary meme and you know nascar you know communities where that austin dillon live stream is like the you know you're not the real number three it's like you know jim glickenhaus and those stupid stetsons he always wears it's like take that shit off man it's like you don't deserve to wear that he's like you would get wrecked by any real cowboy <laughs> but and there is also drama with this other new team that i cannot pronounce their name oh yeah it's that this the the car is the, the italian team yeah. Oh, yeah. So the uh, uh, Freschini. Yeah. Because apparently they parted ways with Vector Sport, which I guess Vector Sport was supposed to be the one like running the team or something mm -hmm. like that. And like, there's like a whole statement made by like the team principal. 
Yeah, I remember I saw that on uh, on Twitter, I think. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? It's like they're already starting off unserious. Yes. I mean, I don't know if this is going to have, like, implications later. I mean, it could. But I don't know. I just think this, this is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's it's one of those things. It's like you know, death taxes and apparently drama with Italian racing teams. Like, like it's like the, the funny thing is the first thing that I had really heard about this, the the team and the manufacturer was the drama, which is just wild. Uh, to to me, it's like oh, it's off to a great start. Their exactly. season is already going great. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's like that, um, that, um, it's that clip. I don't remember what it was from. I think it was from like a Netflix series or something where like it's Joe Pesci and he's looking at that like weird mix of mid-century and modernist house. I think it was painted like pink and purple and he just looks down and he takes off his sunglasses and he's like, what the, what the fuck is this piece of shit? That's kind of oh how God. I. That is so funny. That's what I was looking. That was what I was thinking when I'm reading this. I'm like, what is going on here? I just, I don't, I don't get it. But like I said, the fact that the first thing I hear about this team and this car is drama. I just think is just like absolutely exceptional. It's like 10, 10 out of 10 work, guys. 10 out of 10, no notes. None whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, so there's still a lot of TBAs for drivers in the World Endurance Championship. I know there's like these familiar people that are in the hypercar and even um in LMGT3 is what it's called now. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, we have Nick DeFries is in the World Endurance Championship with Toyota. And he's also in Formula E too. Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you know, his career is you know, going to be over, you know, blah, 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 after the whole Formula One, you know, AlphaTauri debacle. And it's like, no, I'm like, he's a pretty highly rated driver basically everywhere else. You know, I figure he might take some time away from racing um, after all of that. I mean, I thought so. Cause like he literally, he went to freaking Harvard. So I'm like, is is he still gonna go to Harvard even though he's like racing in two different series now? Yeah, I don't know quite how that's going. Um, how that's gonna go? But like I said, I'm happy to see you know because you know we briefly uh, mentioned it in the F1 episode. You know, he's yeah, he's with Mahendra in uh, Formula E, and the fact that now he's gonna be running races with Toyota in uh, WEC is super cool. I'm. You know, after the bad hand he got dealt in F1, I'm happy to see him bounce back like this. Of course. And I think the dude that he replaced was Jose Maria Lopez. And he is moving to the Lexus LMGT3, now Lexus is in the World Endurance Championship, and he is supposed to be driving that Lexus along with Kelvin Vanderlyn. Yeah, a couple of things. A, again, more manufacturers always good, but as you know, the uh, 
resident Corvette superfan. You mean to tell me we got to deal with Lexus and WEC now, too? <laughs> it's like the last couple of years that's been the fight of um, IMSA in GTD. So it's like, you mean to tell me you got to do this all over again? But, I mean, this is what happens with the unification of the regs. It's like, okay, of course you're going to get more cross-pollination in both series mm -hmm. with manufacturer crossover. That was the whole point. Um, so it's cool to see them uh, enter. I need to at, uh, you know, Bozi Tatarevich and uh, see. It's like, okay, you're going to be doing pit crew things in uh, WEC now? In uh, <laughs> LMGT3? It's like you're going to become Mr. Worldwide, you know, running select races and... Uh, in WEC, I suspect probably not, but that would be super cool if he did. And I might actually legitimately at him after we finish recording and ask. You should. You should do it. Uh. Let's see. What else do we have? Yeah, we have apparently, I think there were like Alpine, their driver lineup got announced. And some of those people on that lineup I'm not familiar with, and their names are kind of complicated, so I'm really not going to try to say some of them. But I know Mick Schumacher is on one of the Alpine hypercars, which I guess that's not too surprising because he did test with them. However, it is a little surprising who they didn't sign was Jack Duhon, which I thought that that was going to happen. Other people thought that was going to happen, too, but it didn't, so. Yeah, it was widely speculated that um, Jack was going to end up on the, um, um, doing the uh, running hypercar. Um, and yeah, I'm a little surprised that uh, he didn't, especially given that he's a part of sort of um, Alpine's driver development sphere. Now, he could be doing a... Um, Oh my God, his name, uh, 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 Drugovich, sorry, thank you. Where, um, he, uh, is, you know, waiting, you know, maybe I'm trying to do F1 because he did do a free practice test actually here very recently. I think he might have, was it this past race, the last Abu Dhabi race? Did he do? I think it might have been actually. Give me just a second. There was a yeah. lot of people that were. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was Abu Dhabi. It was free practice one. Um, so, I don't know. That could well have something. I mean, to be honest, I don't really think Drugovich is like a person you really want to be modeling your career choices after. No. Because we've already talked about him before. Um, him turning down like an IndyCar test with ECR. And it's like, I get it. It's ECR. But still. You're kind of low on options here, and it does not look like Formula One is going to be viable. So you might as well take what you can get. So I don't know. Yeah, I com once again, I completely agree. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, to be fair, um, yeah, you know, um, Duhan is a bit younger, so there's certainly a bit more time. But, you know, I think he should have, you know, I feel like the speculation comes probably there probably is some kernel of truth to that. And I feel like if that is indeed the case, he should have taken the uh, oops, should have taken the hypercar drive. Because honestly, I think he's been in F2 for a while now. And it's like the longer you are in F2, the, the less, less viable it's going to be that you're going to move to Formula One. 
unfortunately. It just yeah. seems to be how that works. Yeah, he has been in F2 for the past uh, three seasons um, with him, with that culminating in him finishing uh, third this past year. I just went and pulled up his uh, Wikipedia page to kind of have a look because I had kind of the same thought. Um, you know, he got a couple wins, one at Hungary and... With the uh, one, oh, the Hungary actually, the feature race he won, and then the uh, Yas Marina feature race he also won. So, so yeah, so certainly, you know, he's improving year on year, but again, you know, and actually, we were just talking about this in the F1 episode, given kind of you know, everybody wants you know, folks who basically win lots and win quickly, you know, three years and up to this point, you know, no title to show for it and only a couple of wins in F2. Um, yeah, because he has won basically five, three years in F2 and five wins. Um, yeah, I don't... It's not looking too good. Yeah, no, it's not. So I don't think uh, Formula One, I don't really think it's on the cards and yeah. Um, hypercar would probably have been good for him, <laughs> but yeah, and then actually, until that end, it's cool to see Mick Schumacher uh, in the lineup. Um, because yeah, he's done some testing, and um, yeah, it's you know cool to see him with the drive. Um, because isn't he still technically in uh, sort of like reserve slash testing? capacity for Mercedes, I do believe he is. Yeah, I think he's still a reserve for them. Yeah. Which is, of course, it would be actually super cool if Mercedes had like a hypercar program because his that was how his father got his start was winning um, was running Le Mans in the very early 90s. It was like 91 or 92 with the uh, Sauber C9. Um, no, I really wish Mercedes had a hypercar. I wish they did. It would be so cool. Again, I know they're all there, you know, all in on Formula One, but it would be cool to see them have a hypercar program. But I also know that, well, it's been 25 years and they still get memed for the way the CLR uh, like to take flight. So. Yeah, they, they might not even, like, honestly, because, I mean, that was, like, the last time Mercedes was even at Le Mans, I think. So it's mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, they might even, I don't even think they, they could do it, to be honest. They might have a hyper car and then get to Le Mans, freak out on the keyboard, essentially, and just not do the race. Yeah, basically. So I don't know. Yeah, because actually Mercedes's uh, track record at Le Mans actually really isn't very good. They seem to be prone to uh, complete disasters. CLR is taking flight, the infamous 1955 crash that uh, killed lots of people. That was a Mercedes that did that. Um, so, I don't know. I, th I think uh, Mercedes probably feels like uh, Lamar's bad juju for them. It and might be. be I say, to be fair, they're not completely wrong, I don't think. No, they're not. Going but... back to, keeping on the theme, I guess, of new entries to the hypercar party we have bmw they are running two cars in the world endurance championship 
into CARS and IMSA, so they're two and two. And so far, they have at least one driver for each lineup confirmed, which is Sheldon Vanderlyn again, and Dries Van Tour. Oh. It's funny, always hilarious, the amount of, uh, like, brothers and stuff that run in um, sports car racing. They're, they're now all in the same series, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so funny. But, um, yeah. Coincidental, I, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, um, nope. I mean, last year, we talked about it certainly early last year in IMSA. The uh, BMW, I think it's just called V8 GTP, if I remember correctly. Um was not uh, particularly quick. I mean, that disaster class at Daytona, but they pulled it together. They were, admittedly, it was kind of a long shot for a championship, but they were in the hunt, which is wild to say after just how bad um, that car was early in the season. So assuming that they've done work over the, um, on the off season to, Listen, I'm hoping that they do not get into the World Endurance Championship and the very first race off the bat at Qatar, they completely bomb it and oh have God. a Daytona repeat over again because technically they had a, a kind of a head start to in IMSA. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, the regulations are different, but the cars are still kind of the same. So they kind of should know what they're doing. But if they don't, and it just turns out to be a complete disaster class again, it would be the most BMW thing ever. Yeah, agreed. Um, it would be. It would be very funny. Um, but it would look so bad if they had another... Basically, if Bahrain was just, you know, Daytona 2 electric boogaloo, that would be atrocious if that's what ended up happening. But uh, I certainly hope it's not. Again, the car got faster. You know, admittedly, they kind of Mickey Mouse to win with the Porsches getting uh, disqualified because of the skid block stuff. But I mean, even like Sebring from Daytona to Sebring, there was improvement because they somehow managed to pull a podium out of their ass. Yeah, exactly. You know, by all accounts, if you had to just watch Daytona, you would not have figured that that was uh, what was going to happen. But but no, we'll, we'll see. Actually, they might just rage quit hypercar <laughs> and you know the funny thing is when i had floated that theory and you laughed at me a little bit for it but i think uh honestly they probably would they probably would pack up and go home because well they have as, as much as i said way back when when it was announced uh that they were doing uh wec um you know, they have a habit of doing that when things don't go well, because when the M8 was getting its ass kicked in IMSA, they pulled the car out at IMSA comp- competition. And where they went WEC only, and the car still really wasn't any faster, but or any more competitive. I oh, hope the um, M8s, they were, they were, they love the memes, but. <laughs> yeah, the memes were great. The car really wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So. We'll we'll see what happens, but I am for one hoping that we do not have uh, Daytona version two. Okay, maybe I am a little bit. Anyway, moving on. It would just be funny. Like I kind of want to see it happen just for comedy reasons. Yeah, I do too. But I'm like, 
if it happens, it would be a disaster for this organization. It absolutely would. People would get fired if that happened. But I'm like, again, part of me wants the drama. I kind of want a little bit of drama. But mm. anyways, going on to the schedule for WEC in 2024. Obviously, like we said before, the Super Sebring weekend, the doubleheader with IMSA is no more. Which is unfortunate because I thought it was I thought it was fun and I thought it was a good deal mm-hmm. for um fans at least. And they have a new race on there. I mean Qatar is also a new race, I think. And then they also have the World Endurance Championship. They're at Coda now. The event called Lone Star Lamar, which is hilarious, I think. It's so cringe. It kind of is, but I'm like, you know. I, I feel like it's a kind of like a, a, a give a giveaway. Like yeah. what else would you title that race? Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do it like from the one and everybody gets cowboy hats and, and the podium celebration. Uh, probably. I fully expect the social media teams to go nuts with uh you know, we're in Texas, and, you know, they've got Stetsons and, you know, cowboy boots on. It's like, oh, my God. WEC <laughs> will be obnoxious that week. They will be so cringy. It will be so, it will be the most cringiest, obnoxious shit that they've ever done. But honestly, yep. at that point, you kind of have to just play the bit. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, do you, do you I mean, much to your point, do you really do anything different? Uh, when you're in uh, in Texas, especially given that this is the uh, given that this is the first year. So I guess now I don't even know because there's so much content. Yeah, I know. There's quite Just a lot. Looking at all of this. Yeah, it's been busy. Well, I know uh, before we adjourned, uh, well, when we did uh, before the Las Vegas episodes, there was uh, was Macau. Yeah, there was. Yeah, because we were on the run up to Macau when uh, when we did that. And it was surprisingly calm. The race was calm. Qualifying was not, though. I mean, no, there wasn't was huge issues, but like the the Hello Kitty car crashed, which I'm like, I was so disappointed. I was disappointed because they didn't it didn't get to race, and I'm like, and it looks so good. I'm like, why? I, honestly, I'm hoping they make a diecast of that because I will get it. It'll be all like crumpled up and completely yeah. destroyed. Well, I'm hoping it's not a like raced condition diecast, and it's just you know. Anyway. But, I mean, the race was relatively calm because, I mean, it, with the exception of there was, like, a little bit of argy-bargy with Porsches, specifically between Kevin Estray and Earl Bamber, which Kevin Estray, to be honest, was driving like a madman that weekend. I don't know what got into him, but he was driving like a complete madman. He was, he, he even, like, wrecked in qualifying. I think he hit the wall or something, and he was just dive-bombing people into, like, turns. It's like, Calm down. 
But he was at Macau. He knew that he had to inject the spice. Or maybe he was scared that he was going to get caught up in the mess, and that was why he was driving like a lunatic. Something, something. I mean, to be honest, this one, like, if everybody had that same feeling, the race would have been complete chaos. If everybody decided, yeah, I'm just going to start driving like a lunatic because they think that something else is going to happen because they're in reaction to, like, everybody else driving like a lunatic, it would have been 2017 all over again. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I kind of wanted to see that happen, but it didn't, so. Yeah, it was going to be kind of a mess if we had basically 2017, you know, part two. Um, but it would have been very, very funny. Um, but, but no, a reasonably calm um, Macau is not necessarily a bad thing. Um especially given the, you know, 50 bajillion cars that it feels like they have out on track. It's such a tiny circuit. Everybody was on their best behavior. They were all good boys, and we can all give them a cookie for that. Yes. Indeed. But, so, I guess before we wrap the uh, episode, you got anything else for us? Yeah, so the race winner was Lalo obviously mm. not shocking to be honest no. won his final race with mercedes before he moves to bmw he's with bmw now which i'm pretty sure he's probably gonna be on the hypercar lineup so probably. it's not confirmed but it's that's a given i feel like yeah exactly i'm like and then, you know i'm not sure you know you would go to bmw and really end up anywhere else other than the hypercar especially if you're working with them in any kind of factory capacity you know what else we forgot is some another big name person that's in the World Endurance Championship now is Valentino Rossi. He's in the oh, World Endurance Championship now. Holy smokes. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I read that and went, holy smokes, and then still managed to forget. Yeah, I'm so like he... staring at the freaking entry list right in front of my face, and I still missed it. Yeah, absolutely. So, because I don't completely remember... Um, I'm assuming this is going to be Valentino and his, uh, is this going to be under, uh, Team VR or some other capacitor? It's WRT. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I feel like he runs Team VR, uh, M4s and something. I mean, he might. I've only really been familiar with him running, um, with, um, WTR. With a lot of the like GT races, like the GT Intercontinental and like GT Challenge races. Yep, I'm running off to Google because I I don't know if I'm Mandela affecting uh, right now, but I feel like there's some blue and like bright green. Oh, I literally, I couldn't tell you. Let's see. Oh, it's his colors, but yeah, they are WRT cars. Interesting. All righty. I was Mandela affecting a bit. I don't know why I thought that was uh, Team Valentino Rossi, because he does have his own, or at least he did. I feel like he did have his own team in uh, running with BMW at one point. But like I said, you know, editor Danny might make an appearance and splice something in to clarify that if I can find what I'm looking for. But 
I just think that's a very interesting arc that he went from like motorbike racing to sports mm-hmm. car racing. Yeah, I mean, well, truth be told, I mean, Valentino won basically everything that there was to win in motor uh, in MotoGP for a considerable amount of time. You know, there comes a point where I guess he's like, you know, you got to do something different. And this is what he picked. And I know he's always actually really, really liked uh, BMWs because I will never forget. This was in like kind of early days of YouTube. There was a video because he had a, a E60 M5, so one of the V10 powered M5s from back in the day, and he was like chucking it around and sliding it like in like dirt and gravel, so basically turning an M5 into a rally car. And certainly, if that is to be you know believed, then his relationship, his love of BMWs, goes back quite far, because that had to be like 2006, 2007 when that video was up. But, but yeah, no, no, it goes, uh, it goes deep. So it's cool to, it's cool to see him certainly. And well, if he can be half as successful in cars as on bikes, then well, he'll do pretty good. I mean, he's done pretty well from what I've seen. So I don't see why he wouldn't do too well here. Yeah, exactly. But I hesitate to call it a foregone conclusion because the moment I do, that's, of course, when it's wrong. So it's like reverse psychology, but except that's not exactly how that works. But anyway. (laughs) But anything else for us before we uh, before we adjourn the episode? I don't think so. Well, in which case it has been been absolutely wonderful recording for y'all again um thank you so much for listening um i don't think there are any firm plans on kind of next episode at the moment i mean you know i know asian lamont will be starting up here fairly shortly um, it already started actually. or actually yeah yeah technically yes as the time of this recording it's already started but so you know we'll have some race recaps there but you know, so I will, I will probably write some more uh, long form content uh, to kind of carry us through. Given that Asian Lamar series is the only thing that is active at the moment, um, you know, before we get to like Daytona and what have you um, at the end of January. So, you know, so you know, we had talked a bit about you know in the last episode, you know, crummy slash shady sponsors and uh, F one and. Well, there are a lot of those from, you know, Andrea Moda to, you know, T-minus, you know, Moneytron. The, their possibilities are endless. So maybe something like that. Uh, so we'll play it by ear a little bit, but I feel like that'll be next on the docket uh, for next recording. But until that happens, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next one. Until next time.